Hello everyone, I'm Dana stewart Bullock, and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, I address the gut. This is an introductory overview of our gut, geared toward the average person with the goal of opening up new ways of seeing and understanding the importance of our gut. In it, Rebecca and I talk about gut anatomy and physiology and its potential impact on the brain, mood, health, psyche, and function. So welcome. Today we're talking about gut. Yes. So I really just wanted to do a quick intro to why I was interested in this. And what I want to do with today's information is to help change people's perceptions about their bodies and the innate healing abilities of the body so they're better understood. And I was thinking about this podcast, we're close to mid-40s now, thinking about what it actually means and entails realizing that I haven't really spoken about anything that all of us as human beings don't either have inside of us or the ability to see differently. That's the basis for really philosophically doing all of this in terms of a healing paradigm and using language to change people's perceptions of not only their own physiology, but sort of the world around them and how our bodies interact in those two arenas. Mm. And I thought today, because the last few, we did a couple on archetypes, and before that, did a couple on fascia, and have talked about the psyche and the body and all these different areas, I thought today to introduce the human gut and talk about it, because it really pulls together a lot of what we've talked about. It pulls together, and you'll see in a bit, pulls together the fascial system, the neurology, the feedback loops just different forms that we've talked about in the past. And it just, for me, is a topical subject now in the world. And more research is being done and uncovering knowledge about the gut. And it has such an impact on generally healing that I wanted to go into it. And plus, I just find it fascinating. (laughs) Well, and there's also a lot of talk about gut and gut health and emotional correlations between the gut in the media, at least in the media that I see. So I'm really intrigued to hear your perspective and your research on it. So one of the things that took me here is when we did the podcast on fascia, and we'll go back to those because I have more information that I wanted to share. But when we talked about receptors in the fascia, the receptors in the gut are actually located in the fascia of the gut. Meaning? Well, so let's just start off quickly with the large intestine. And there's a surface, it's about one cell thick, that's called the mucosa, the mucousy part of the large intestine. And below that is a region of dense connective tissue that is so tough and resistant to stretch that it enables the gut to be used to make surgical sutures, Hmm. strings for tennis rackets, Think about it, violin strings. Right. They come from the gut. So they come from the connective tissue or the fascia that's in the gut. Hmm. And that just intrigued me. Absolutely. And so that's what brought me here today. The other part that I had researched a little bit before was I'm going to talk a little bit about the nervous system, our nervous systems. And our central nervous system, just for definitions, consists of our brain and spinal cord. Our peripheral nervous system, peripheral means out in the body, 
are the nerves that reside outside of our brains and spinal cords. And they relay information between your brain and your body. That's what their job is. So you have the central brain and spinal cord nervous system and the peripheral nervous system, which also the peripheral nervous system also includes the autonomic nervous system, which we've talked about before. The autonomic nervous system is the sympathetic fight-flight nervous system and the parasympathetic rest-digest nervous system. So they are in the periphery of the body. So the actual gut itself, it's part of the peripheral nervous system because it's not part of the brain and spinal cord. It's called the enteric nervous system. And it's in our guts. And it's actually the largest and most complex unit of the peripheral nervous system. So our guts are really highly, highly innervated Hmm. by what is labeled the enteric nervous system, which is a part of the peripheral nervous system. And so in our enteric nervous system, in our gut, there are about 600 million neurons. And they're releasing a multitude of neurotransmitters to generate and facilitate the motor, which is the movement, the sensory, the feeling, the absorptive, which is the absorbing of nutrients, and the secretory, which is the secreting functions of the gastrointestinal tract. So you have 600 million neurons, which are nerves in your GI tract. Wow. Just for context, is that a lot in comparison to other parts of the body? Yes, the nerve cells in the gut. You know, the science is changing as more research is done. There are more than 100 million nerve cells just in the small intestine. And that number of 100 million is roughly equal to the number of nerve cells in your entire spinal cord. Wow. So your small intestine has more nerve cells in it than the actual spinal cord. Wow, that's fascinating. Why is that? Well, it's really important. It's really primitive. It's one of the original systems. It has to function without us really knowing that it's functioning. If we were worried about everything that it was doing, we'd have no energy for anything else. From what I just said about the small intestine, if you add on the nerve cells of the esophagus, stomach, and large intestines, you find that we have more nerve cells in our bowel than in our spine. So we have more nerve cells in our gut than in the entire remainder of our peripheral nervous system. Wow. So you ask why that is. From an evolutionary standpoint, it just says how important the gut is. Hmm. I mean, I don't know exactly why. It just tells me that it's a really important system. Right. Hippocrates, I don't know, 3,000 years ago said that all disease begins in the gut. (laughs) And so transformational therapeutics is a healing paradigm. So if according to Hippocrates, all disease begins in the gut, it's an area that really requires our attention. Absolutely. And it's something that we all can connect to. Even if you're highly disconnected from your body or you're not very in tune with things We know what it feels like to have a stomachache or to feel nauseous or to feel crampy or whatever it is. That's a great entrance point, I suppose. And the other thing about it is the large intestine is the only organ that contains what's called an intrinsic nervous system. So it works and functions in the complete absence of input from the brain or spinal cord. It's actually an independent nervous system, the enteric nervous system. I believe it's the last one-third of the large intestine that operates on its own. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So it does not need... It doesn't need a brain or spinal cord. It's wild. To function. So does that mean it will keep functioning after death? No, because it won't be getting the nutrients and the life force 
but it means I really believe physiologically that's where our unconscious lies. Uh, and I've thought that for many years now. And according to a doctor, Emron Mayer, he wrote a book called The Mind-Gut Connection. He says that the action in that enteric nervous system is reflexive. It happens automatically. And it doesn't happen in any other organ but the intestines in our bodies. So all of the necessary elements for that to be functioning have to be in the wall of the gut. So that to me would be in the fascia, in that area where the fascia is. The fascia is what gives form to the actual system itself. And he said that doesn't exist anywhere else. For instance, if you cut the connections between the bladder and the heart or the skeletal muscles and the central nervous system, the activity ceases, the reflexive activity. So if I sever the connection between your bladder and your spinal cord, your bladder stops working. Right. That doesn't happen in the last part of the large intestine. Wow, how interesting. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about this because I found it fascinating. And I think if we'd been taught this in school, we would be way ahead of ourselves in terms of understanding how our bodies work, understanding the impact of diet, understanding the impact of food, how food is made and raised and all of that on our system. Because so much of it is impacting the intestines. The other thing that I found interesting that most of us have heard the word serotonin and serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is a calming neurotransmitter. The way I learned it is that it's released in the brain. Antidepressants, which are often called SSRIs, which means selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So serotonin is a neurotransmitter that's released in the brain and the pill, an SSRI, they don't really know how they work. <laughs> So the neurotransmitter serotonin is released and it gets reabsorbed. And they're saying with the pill that it doesn't get reabsorbed so quickly and that reduces depression. Selective serotonin reuptake, which means taking it back up into the system, inhibitor. So it inhibits the reuptake mechanism of serotonin. Okay. However, 95% of the body's serotonin is made in the bowel. Interesting. Yes. If your serotonin levels are off, that could mean that there's something going on with the... Yes, and depression might very well be starting in the intestines, not so much in the brain. Right. And what impacts that? I mean, what goes into our intestines? The water, the food, the air, everything goes in there. Right. So it's just something to think about. Only one to 2,000 nerve fibers connect the brain to the 100 million nerve cells in the small intestines. Hmm. So these nerve cells in the intestines are quite able to continue functioning without the connection to the brain. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So far, we know that the gut has fascia in it. It has serotonin in it, which is a really important neurotransmitter that has to do with mood and has to do with the feedback loop with the brain in terms of mood. Another thing about the gut is that the largest component of your body's immune system resides in your gut. So when we think of immune system, I always think of like the spleen or the bone marrow, that sort of thing. But the majority of it is in your gut. There are more immune cells living in the wall of your gut than are circulating in the blood or are in your bone marrow. Wow. So if your gut is off, then it throws off everything. Everything. And the immune system in your gut is really important because the gut is exposed to so many potential microorganisms contained in what we eat. Mm. So, you know, you're eating something and your gut has to differentiate. And it's the immune cells in our gut that do that, differentiate between what is nourishing and what is poisoning. 
I just found this interesting that the immune cells in our gut wall are capable of identifying and destroying potentially lethal bacteria, which would make sense. Yeah. You know, it's basically our first line of defense. Sure. And what, especially if you think of ancestrally, our ancestors would probably be a lot more likely to eat rotten food or right. come across bacteria that we now know how to prevent against. Right, right. And they didn't have refrigeration and that sort of thing. Right, they didn't have soap <laughs> or <laughs> way back when or didn't have very good hand washing. What I found fascinating also is that the immune system in the gut can pick out the lethal bacteria in what's actually an ocean of trillions of good bacteria living in our gut. Trillions. Trillions. Yeah, that's that's a number that our human brains can't wrap right. around. <laughs> and that is actually the gut microbiome. Okay, so can you walk us through that again? So the microbiome is, uh, I'll give you a definition. And in this case, it's going to apply only to the gut. It's the entire habitat, including microorganisms, their genes, and the surrounding environmental conditions of the gut. So it includes bacteria, eukaryocytes, which I'm not going to define, and viruses. So all the bugs in our gut, of which there are 100,000 trillion <laughs> That's microorganisms in our gut. Wow. 100,000 trillion. And so they call that the microbiome. And they participate in digestion and defense functions. That's the immune system in the gastrointestinal tract. And they're also involved in mental health. That's the whole thing about what's really come to the fore recently in terms of what you eat and the serotonin levels and all of that. That's a really important aspect that we've only recently come to realize that the gut microbiome has a huge impact on our health, our immune system, our mental state. They're starting to find out that it has an impact on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and other what we've always thought of as brain disorders. Hmm. And the real question is, what are we defending ourselves against? What's going in there from the environment? So it's not just food, it's what's on the food, what kind of pesticides, that sort of thing. Wouldn't it also come into play of what kind of emotional state and physiological state you're in while you're eating? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Another thing that I also found interesting is that the lining of our guts also have a huge number of endocrine cells. Now, the endocrine system is the hormonal system in our bodies. And we tend to think of it as the glands, such as the pituitary, the thyroid, the adrenals, gonads, the sex glands. Well, it turns out that the gut has a number of endocrine cells, and so far that they know, contain up to 20 different types of hormones that can be released into the bloodstream from your gut. Hmm. And apparently, if you could take all these endocrine cells from your gut and clump them together into one huge organ, it would be bigger than all of your other endocrine organs combined. Really? So if you took your thyroid, your gonads your pituitary and your adrenal glands and mash them all together. That would be a smaller size than if you took all the endocrine cells in your gut and mashed them together. Wow. Why are they there? Do you know? I don't know. Fascinating. Yeah. It, but I think it just opens up avenues that we've not explored that are so important. Yeah. You know, we look at our culture today and we see the rates of obesity and wonder what is actually causing it. What are we eating? What are we putting into that system? How are we overloading it? That the immune endocrine digestive areas cannot cope with. Right. 
and what kind of poisons are being put in there and how are we altering our, our microbiome and what can each of us do? I mean, I just think this knowledge is important. It just changes how you see your gut. Yeah. And especially if you have some digestive issues, which I feel like probably most people have experienced at some point in their lives, then it's a really easy thing to become frustrated and more disconnected with it and become almost like a source of anger or frustration or resentment or whatever towards the gut. And it's just like this part that causes pain for you. But if seeing it through this light, it kind of makes it sacred. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's so powerful and it's so central. Right. It, it sort of has everything in it and it's, it's quite primitive and yet it's so vital. Yeah. Absolutely. So you have all of these structures in your gut and they are all connected to the brain. So there's that feedback loop that is important. And I think so much of what goes into our gut has an impact on our mood. I, you know, I've had back problems for my entire life pretty much. And it's only recently that I've realized that much of them originate in my gut. Mm -hmm. And so I have an orthopedic background, so I can tell you all about herniated discs and pain and all of that. But I'm realizing recently that almost all of it is coming from my gut. So fascinating. Yeah. And I, I mean, I never learned that in school. Right. So it's like this missing, very big missing piece of the puzzle. And it's interesting that you say it's big. This Dr. Mayer he calls it a vast sensory organ covering the largest surface of our bodies. And if you took the gut and spread it out, it would be the size of a basketball court. Huh. I'm not sure I agree with him. I think the fascial system is much larger. If you took all the fascia out and spread it out, I don't know how big it would be, but I think it would be bigger than that. Right. But if you see your gut as a sensory organ, it's like, oh, that's interesting. What's coming in? You know, it's like, I really think of it as one of our first lines of defense. How do we keep poisons from entering our bodies? How do we keep them from being absorbed? What's nutrition? What isn't? It's almost like in many ways on a primitive level, your gut has a mind of its own. Absolutely. And it's a place where we experience emotions. Well, think about, you know, gut reaction. I had a gut feeling. I just the language of our culture. Right. Sick to my stomach over it. You know, there's so many. And a lot of the time when we have gut issues, it's a result of some emotional distress happening. And they're finding recently that your gut microbiome, having a vaginal birth, the mother's microbiome impacts the infants. And so the babies that are C-sections do not get the same gut microbiome from their mothers that they would if they went through the vaginal canal. Hmm. I mean, it just gets more and more complicated, but also as you said, more sacred, more fascinating. Right. And then the other thing that I thought was really interesting, because it's home to more than 100,000 trillion microorganisms that participate in digestion and defense functions like the immune system and the hormonal system. 100,000 trillion microorganisms. It's actually an ecosystem. And according to the science of the actual microbiome, We humans are composed primarily of microbial components. So only 10% of the cells in or on a human being are actually human. The rest are... (laughs) That's creepy. Microorganisms. (laughs) (laughs) But also really enlightening. (laughs) So actually because the microbial components that are us are vastly greater than our human contribution to our organism... 
just think about the microbial aspect is closely connected. It's sort of shared with the microbial community on the planet, in the soil and the air and the oceans, the microbes living symbiotically with each other. So we're actually a sort of a big microbiome, but part of a larger one on the planet. And I don't think we think like that when we just live on this planet. We think we're so separate, but we're really not. Right. And I think that's the really important thing to take home. We think of ourselves as separate, but we're physiologically, microbially connected everywhere. And when you look at human beings and you look at how we separate ourselves from nature and build houses and wash ourselves and sterilize ourselves and get rid of all those microbes... What are we doing? We're separating ourselves even further from our environment. Mm -hmm. So we talk about saving the planet or saving the environment, but we are the environment. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting because because I talk about our that we are a part of nature a lot in my meditation and yoga teachings. And I posted on Instagram something like that not too long ago, and someone commented being like, wow, it never occurred to me. But yeah, I guess we are a part of nature, huh? <laughs> and to me, it was so fascinating that it's not obvious, but it isn't when we're so separate in our sterile worlds and our sterile environments, it, it becomes, especially if you live further removed from nature and you're not in nature a lot, it's very easy to forget that we are actually a, a part of nature. <laughs> we are nature. We're just one, one piece of it. But I think it's important what you said about separating ourselves, because if the science tells us, and it does, that only 10% of our cells are actually human, <laughs> and the rest is microbes, and we're somehow connected with all the other microbes on the planet. I mean, just from a pure anatomical, physiological standpoint, it sort of shifts how you see yourself. Yeah, that's such a, a cool, new, for me, way to think of myself connected to nature. I did not know that about the microbes. <laughs> it's kind of, once and you we get take ourselves so seriously, we do. Like we think we're so special. We're right. Not. I, I get that 10 way. 10% of us may be special, but the rest of us is just <laughs> microbes. Right. All connected. Yeah. When I remember how much water we are, I get connected to the oceans and the water and the environment and i think about it that way so now you can add now to that. add to it with the microbes <laughs> you just parted literally part of the earth i mean yes. we literally come out of it somehow or you do wow that's really cool so can we just go over it again like a recap kind of way so I think just for the average human being to understand that serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter, it's a calming neurotransmitter, primarily is located in the gut. That's how important the gut is. And what does serotonin do? So um, serotonin plays a key role in such functions as mood, sleep, and digestion, wound healing, bone health, blood clotting, and sexual desire. Ooh, all the things that we want. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we want to be functioning well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Right. So, yeah, that's pretty important, I'd yeah. say. So that is in your gut. The feedback loops, the information that goes back to your brain about your state, your mental state, your mood are actually originating in the gut, going mm -hmm. back and forth. That's really important. There are hormones in your gut that are released. Actually, more hormonal cells in your gut than in your other endocrine glands combined. It has 
its own nervous system that's separate from your brain and spinal cord. So it operates on its own in some ways. I believe that that is where in our physiological form, our unconscious lies, but that's just my opinion. Mm. 70, 75% of your immune system exists in your gut. And so it has a really important immune function and defensive function in terms of being able to differentiate between nourishment and poison as food goes through your gut. It's really important for that. So it's an aspect of just on a larger scale, the ability to discern and differentiate. Right. That's huge. And if you just take that symbolically, that's where it originates. Right. So basically, this whole concept of the gut is very important. (laughs) And it's just, I think it's so helpful to think about it or to see it that way, because especially even even if you don't have issues with your gut, it's a source of embarrassment too in our culture, right? You think about like the process of digestion. So it's just something that we can easily detach ourselves from. But I think the other part of it is, is to really understand because, you know, I'm talking about healing. I don't believe you can really heal your body without taking the gut into account because it has such a central function to everything that's happening. 100%. You might be depressed and go get antidepressants, which affect your serotonin system. But how might you affect that with diet? How are the poisons that we're putting in the environment, the plastics and the pesticides, impacting our immune system via our gut, impacting our moods via our gut? You know, leaky gut for me means that the connective tissue in the gut is not functioning very well. What does that mean? So it's really just adding another piece to the whole puzzle of healing. And for me, just understanding, I'm not telling you much more than to tell you the anatomy. You know, I love anatomy. And I didn't learn this kind of anatomy as a physical therapist, but to me, it's just fascinating. And its impact on the brain and the loops that go back and forth between the brain and the gut. And I found particularly the immune system, that was mind-boggling to me. You know, and we're in this time now of COVID and who knows what else is coming, what other viruses and who's addressing it via what we take in and digest. Who's addressing their immune system other than vaccines? Who's addressing your immune system and your ability to fight off viruses via your gut? Right, right. It's such a huge vehicle that we have available to us and one that if we're disconnected from and we're not putting in proper fuel and we're not taking care of it in the way that we could, we're missing out on the opportunity of all that healing and mood and well-being, everything. It's interesting to me to watch from a psychological standpoint how many people stuff their feelings by stuffing food in their mouths. I mean, that's the gut. It has such impact across the board. Oh, yeah. We could do an entire (laughs) other episode on the way we eat and how that might affect the gut. But it's so true. We, um, So many of us eat our feelings, whether we're happy or we're sad or we're celebrating or we're avoiding, whatever it may be. But understanding the anatomy gives you a better understanding of what it is. Yeah. And I wonder in terms of mood, how much of your mood is coming from your head? And I've talked about the receptors in fascia and their connection to the brain. How much of that is in the gut itself? I mean, it's just so connected and so globally impactful. It's important. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's so enlightening to learn this and just to start to see your yeah this is body just differently. very superficial it's right. like ridiculous like kindergarten gut there's so much we don't know 
and yet it has such a central impact on all of our systems. Wow. Well, thank you, Dana. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our show on Substack. There, you can have an opportunity to comment on this episode. And we would love to hear from you. Dana will personally respond to you and she'd love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode. If you have questions, if you want to discuss, we would just love that. So be sure to subscribe on Substack. It's free. It's a wonderful way to connect and it's the best way to support this show. I would like to say that I'm thankful for you tuning in and I would love to hear feedback. If you could email me at transformationaltherapeutics at gmail.com and give me feedback on the podcast, perhaps suggest subjects that you would like me to cover in the future. And when I receive that feedback, I'd love to highlight and publicly thank whoever has sent it to me. I really enjoy sharing this with you.